was a place of suffering. It was a, a, it was a, a, a place of persecution. But for us as the children of God, it's a place of redemption. We didn't deserve what, what Christ did for us. That song we just sang, he sang of my unworthiness. We're not worthy of what Christ did for us. We're worthy of condemnation, of judgment, and, and not just us, everybody. It's the state of the world. It's the state of mankind. Uh, we understand that. But God loved us so much, he sent us to die on the cross. There's strength in that. We live in a, uh, in a, in a time, and it's, it's always been this way. I, I believe it's a, the fate of mankind uh, to, to be discouraged. Anybody been discouraged before? We go through difficult times, difficult uh, difficulties, trials, and tribulations, and, and, and sometimes we get to, the, to a point where we just can't seem to go on. On Wednesday nights, I've been preaching uh, through Psalms chapter 27. Uh, that's not our text, but I want you to look at a, a, a verse there, Psalms chapter 27. Uh, look at that with me real quickly, if you would. David says this in verse 13. I had fainted, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. David said, if I, if I didn't believe that I would see God's goodness, I would have fainted. Fainting isn't something you do on purpose. Fainting is, uh, if, if, if you've ever seen somebody faint, or if you've ever experienced it, it's, it's something that happens to us. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weakness that overcomes you. I can remember, I've only ever once fainted or passed out, as, as a term that many people use. I got up too fast. Uh, when that happens sometimes, the blood does, uh, that's in your head drops down to your legs. And, and for me, everything kind of went like this, this blackness come in like this and until there was just a little bit of light. The next thing I knew, I was on the floor. I didn't mean to be on the floor. That's just kind of where I landed. That, that's what it means to faint. It means uh, there's nothing I can do. I, 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 I collapse. I, I give up. I, I, I quit. I fall. David said there, unless I had believed to, to see the goodness of the Lord, I, I, he would have fainted. Now, David dealt with a lot of trials in his life. He had the promises of God upon his life and the blessings upon his life, and, and he wasn't perfect. He, he made his mistakes. You see one of them here. He had two wives. That's one's enough for anybody. I want to get myself in trouble. He made his mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But the Bible tells us he was a man after God's own heart. Well, he had the promise of God upon his life. God had, had sent the prophet Samuel to anoint him to become the king of, of, of Israel. Uh, that was, uh, that, that was uh, the plan of God for his life. He got to a point here when, when uh, he, uh, he was, I believe, at one of the lowest places in his life. Uh, which struck me as I went back and looked at uh, Psalms 27 again in, in preparation for less for Wednesday service and If you read these chapters, chapter 30, and going back to chapter 27, you see what's going on in David's life. We don't have time to look at it all, but I do want to kind of reference it so you have an idea of what's happening right here. In Psalms chapter, or sorry, in, in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 26, uh, David confronts Saul. Saul's chasing him. He's trying to kill him because he's jealous of, of, who, of him. He wants, to, he wants to destroy him. He, he's chasing him down, and, and uh, David... Uh, 
has an opportunity to kill him, but he doesn't do it. That's in Psalm chapter 26. And he confronts, he confronts King Saul and his men that he had chasing him. And Saul said, listen, you're right, I'll never do this again. But in the very next verse, the, uh, the very next chapter, the next verse, I want you to see this. Look at Psalms, or 1 Samuel 27. David says this, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. It said he despaired in his heart. He, uh, he, he, was, uh, he, he came to an end. He said, listen, I don't have any hope here. Saul's trying to kill me. Saul wants me dead. Even though uh, Saul had promised not to chase him anymore, he'd already made that promise before and didn't keep it. He, uh, Saul had a, a desire in his heart to kill David because David was the next king, and he didn't want to lose the kingdom, even though God had already told him he was going to remove it from him. Uh, uh, so he was, he was afraid. But David forgot something in that, this verse. He said, he, he said there in verse, in verse 1 of 27, he said that one of these days, Saul's going to get me. He'd been chased enough by Saul. He'd, been, he'd gone to enough towns where, where they sold him out to Saul, uh, uh, where he had to seek, seek the Lord, and, 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 and God would tell him what to do and where to go and how to, how to protect himself. Uh, but he'd been, he'd been turned on by so many people. He said, one of these days, he's going to get me. But he forgot something. Who was it? What was the plan that God had for his life? What did Samuel do uh, when he found David in that shepherd's field? He anointed him to be king. That was God's plan for his life. But David said, before I ever get there, Saul's going to kill me. He forgot that God was in control. And, and, and at this point, in this chapter, he says, listen, I can't stay here in Israel. I've got to go someplace else. And, and he decides to go to the land of the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, uh, uh, to the city of Gath, uh, the place where, where if you, you remember, uh, he, he defeated Goliath. Uh, that was Goliath's hometown. He says, I'm going to go to Israel, or I'm going to leave Israel. I'm going to go to Gath. I'm going to go to the people of the Philistines, and I'm going to stay there, and, and Saul will just give up chasing me. And he went and he dwelt in Gath and, and dwelt in, in the land of the Philistines for the next year and four months. Now, he was the destined to be, he was destined, he was anointed to be the king of, of Israel. And the people, most of the Philistines, didn't trust him. But he went and he, uh, he, he told uh, the, the, the one king, the, the Asius, that he, would, that he would serve him and, and, uh, and that uh, he was going out on these raids and that he told him he was attaching, attacking the people of Judah, which he didn't do. What he was doing was, uh, was attacking the Amalekites, the enemies of the Jews. He was attacking some of the other Philistine villages and he'd kill, he would go in and, and have those victories there and then come back and tell the, the king, king Asius, yeah, no, I was, I was attacking Judah. So Aisha thought, hey, he's, he, he's turning the people of Israel against him, and he's, he's, he's going to be on our, my servant for all of his days because Israel's going to hate him. And he dwelt there. And he went out in battle with the people of the Philistines in many different areas. And, but there came a day when they went out to battle Israel. And the, the, the princes, the leaders of the, of the, the people in Philistine, they, they, the generals, they were all at the head, and Aisha and David were at the back, and they said, hey, this isn't a good idea to have 
David, our enemy behind us. I don't know what, who's, who thought this was a good idea. Let's send him home. Well, uh, what, what we learned in verse, chapter 20, 27 is that Aishas had given David Ziklag, a city for him to live in and dwell in with the Philistines. It was a place where he could call home. He and the 600 men who were, who were with him, that was where they built their homes. They, uh, for a year and, and, and almost a half, they'd spent time there in Ziklag. As, that was the kind of their base of operations. Their wives were there. Their children were there. Uh, they, they had farms. They, they had food. They, they had that was their home. When the Philistines say, no, you, they, you need to send David back, he's just, we don't want him with us. David went home. But you know what he found? We see it here, we read about it here in verse 30. See, what he had done to the Amalekites had come home to roost with David. It says, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. The home, the place that David called home for a year and a half, had been destroyed. His home had been burnt. In fact, every home had been burnt. The place had been burnt to the ground. I've never lost a home in a fire. But as a firefighter, I've met several people who lost their homes in a fire, and there's a look of despair on their faces. Because it isn't the fact that you just lost your, uh, your belongings in the fire, but you've lost your home. It's a, it's a discouraging thing to go through something like that. And, and David was discouraged. David was already discouraged. In fact, he was dwelling in discouragement for this year and a half. Because if you, if you go read 1 Samuel leading up to uh, verse, uh, chapter 27, when he decided to go to, to, to the, the land of the Philistines, while Saul was chasing him, God always protected David. But David would always inquire of the Lord what he was to do. But in Psalms 27, or I keep saying Psalms, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, he stopped consulting God and just ran. He's lost his home. Not only did he lose his home, but he loses his family. Verse number 2, and had taken, this is the Amalekites, had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So here's what happens. While David's away, fighting, uh, getting ready at the back, at the rear of the, the Philistine army, going to attack the people of Israel, uh, the, the Philistines said, we don't want him here, let's send him back. He went home to find his home burned and his family taken. Everything that, he had, that had belonged to him, uh, his wives, uh, uh, they, they were gone, they were taken. Uh, not just his wives, but uh, his family, but the families of every single one of the 600 men that were with him. He didn't just lose his home. He didn't just think he had lost his destiny, what God had anointed him to do. He didn't think that he, that he, had, uh, he had lost everything that he had. Verse number 3 tells us this. So David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. And notice what it says, until they had no more power to weep. They, they, they spent, they, who knows how long, they spent there weeping and grieving over what they had lost. He came, they came to the end of their stuff. You ever felt like you needed to cry, but you just couldn't cry anymore? That's where they were at. They had lost absolutely everything. David was, was, was as low as he had ever been in his life. Yes, Saul still wanted to kill him. Uh, uh, yes, he had found a place to be, but he lost that. He lost his belongings. He lost his, his family. He had nothing left. 
And it gets even worse for David. Because when they were all done crying, when they were all done weeping, when they had no more power to weep, I want you to see what happened. It says, it says the people that were with him, the men that were with him, the 600 men who had followed him. It says this in verse 5. Or sorry, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. The men who followed him, the men who, who, who had, had been with him, the men who had, had encouraged him and strengthened him and protected him, they said, you know what? We're here because David brought us here, and this is all his fault, and we're going to, let's kill him. They spake of stoning him. He was at the lowest point that he could be. As far as he could see, this was the end of the line. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't think of a way out of this. He couldn't, he, there was nothing that he could do uh, that, that, would, that was going to turn the hearts of, uh, of those men. Uh, there was nothing that he could do to, 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 uh, of himself to do anything. He, he had wept, he had cried, he had lost it all. He was discouraged. Discouragement is something that is universal. We can all be discouraged. We can be discouraged because of, of difficulties that we're facing in our life. We can be discouraged because of, uh, of financial difficulties or physical difficulties. Uh, sometimes even just the state of the world, we can be discouraged. Uh, and things can, can get heavy upon us. Things can get hard for us. And the truth is, it's hard for everybody. Life is not, there's no promise of, of, the, of, of it being easy for anybody. doesn't matter if you have a bunch of money in the bank. You have an inheritance coming your way, guess what? You can lose it all. It doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're strong in body and health and, and things are going great because it takes just a moment and an instance for, for you to hear the word cancer or for you to be in a car accident or something to happen to take that away from you. It, it, it's very easy to get discouraged. You can have your whole life planned out ahead of you and in a moment it'd be, it'd be, it'd be destroyed and scattered and be no hope. And that's what I see here. David, as far as he's concerned, he's at the end. But the next part of verse 6 says this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What does it mean to encourage himself? The, the, the Hebrew word there is... is, is it means this, to, to cling to, to, become, uh, to, to, to stand firm, to, to, to be unmoved, to, 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 to be strong, to strengthen yourself, to harden yourself. He, he, had, been, he had wept till he couldn't weep anymore. He, he, he lost it all, but he encouraged himself. Now, there's a phrase I've heard many times. Well, just pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. That is not what David did. It isn't. Psalms 27 talks about what David did and, and how David, his, David's faith was in God. David's strength was in God. In fact, that's what he said. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. How could somebody who lost everything still have hope? Because his hope wasn't in himself. His hope wasn't in the 600 men that were with him. His hope was in God. And the truth is, as children of God, our hope is not in ourselves. It's not in what we do in our abilities or in what we desire. Our hope can only be in God. Because one day we're going to find ourselves in a place like David is at. 
Now David was dwelling in despair, dwelling in discouragement for uh, almost a year and a half. Uh, he was discouraged. He was despondent. He was doing things his own way instead of doing things the way God would have him to do. And it didn't get him anywhere. But here was a turning point in David's life. David decided at this point in time to encourage himself in the Lord, to strengthen himself. As believers, our strength comes from God. Amen? It is, it's, uh, there's, there's a few things we're going to look here about, about our, our strength and what the Bible says about the strength of the believer, because the truth is we're all going to face difficulties. We're all going to go, sometimes, some of us are in those, uh, Joyce, we haven't seen Joyce in, like I said, two months because she's been sick and unable to get out. That's discouraging, is it not? Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, we, have, we have others who, uh, who we're, we're getting ready to, to, to possibly, uh, it looks like, lose one of our, our church members. We've lost three. Uh, when, when Linda passes, uh, if the Lord uh, takes her, that'll be three, three people this year who've passed away. Three funerals that will that we'll have to have come in and, yes, celebrate their life, and, yes, hopefully look for, we will look for them with hope uh, in the future, knowing that one day we'll see them again, but they're still grieving and lost. That's discouraging. Sometimes we get, we get discouraged because of, of, of the work and, the, and all that we're putting into it, and, and sometimes it doesn't seem like there's any, any benefit or anything that comes out of it. Sometimes we get discouraged because we think we're the only ones working. There's lots of ways and reasons why we get discouraged, but I want to encourage you today that you don't have to be discouraged. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Don't, don't try to just encourage yourself. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Uh, listen, the source of our strength is this. We see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul is telling the church in Ephesus he was going to pray for them, and he said, I'll pray for, the, pray for you that, that he, God, would grant you, according to his, the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man. Paul says, uh, Paul says I'm praying that God will strengthen you. And I love this, the, the word here, the, word, the phrase, according to. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to take it from uh, his, he's got a, a bank of, of strength, a bank of glory, an account that, that he takes them out and passes around to everybody, and it gets lower and lower. I have a bank account, and every time I take money out, it gets depleted. Sometimes it gets really depleted, right? So does yours. So we all, it's, it's how it happens to all of us. When I get up in the morning, I am full of strength. I, sometimes. <laughs> depending on what I did the day before. But, uh, there's strength in me. And as, uh, as, as I ex exert myself, as I do things throughout the day, guess what happens to me? The same thing that happens to you. I get tired because I'm limited in my, the amount of strength that I have. Some days I have more strength. Some days I have less strength. When God says, that, when Paul says that, that according to his glory, according to his account, according to what God has for us, when he delivers, it's not that he's taking away from his account, and it's as, as abundant as the strength as God is, that is the abundance of the strength that God will give you. The source of our strength is God. It is not in ourselves. Some trust in chariots, David says in the book of Psalms. Some, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's, it's God that we're to gain our strength from. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Don't get caught up with this idea that you have to do it and do it on your own strength because guess what's going to happen? You're going to come to the end of yourself. It's just like salvation. It's absolutely just like salvation. Can you save yourself? No. There is nothing that you can do to save yourself. Well, I don't, uh, maybe I don't need to be saved. We all need to be saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we all stand in need of the mercy and grace of God because we cannot earn our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not what we can do. Say, well, I, I'm not, I, I, don't, I, I don't need saved. I'm not that bad. If I were to make you, a pie, and you were to start eating that pie, and then I would list the ingredients off to you, and I have added something that you may not necessarily like to eat, even if it's just a little bit. There's a, a, a group called the Skit Guys, that, and uh, the son uh, is asking to go to the movies. The son, I say son, he's like a 40-year-old man, and his, the, the father is another 40-year-old man, but they're, they're playing this, the, this skit, and, and he says, Dad, I want to go to this movie, and he says, he says well, we've talked about that. You know, it's, 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 it's got violence and nudity and things in that, we, that you're not supposed to see. Well, it's just a little bit. He says, okay, you can go. He goes, he goes but I, re- I can go? He's like, yeah, but before you go, here, have this. And he gives him a brownie, and he starts to eat the brownie, and he starts to tell him. He goes, I just added one thing, and it's, it was dog excrement. And as, as, he, as he says that, the, the brownie falls out of the, kid's, the guy's mouth, and he says, well, how would you do that? He goes, but it's just a little bit. Because a little bit taints the whole thing, right? Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that you don't think you're that bad. The Bible says that God doesn't look at us according to one another. We, we're not to compare ourselves with each other. We come, we're compared to, to the holiness of God. And if we've broken even one commandment of God, we're guilty of breaking God's law. And that means, according to Romans chapter 6, 23, that our judgment one day, as we stand before God, will be death. For the wages of sin is death. Because God is holy and he has to judge us. He has to judge all sin. Now, he doesn't want to condemn us. Our sin condemns us. If he wanted to condemn us, he never would have sent his son to die on the cross. Romans, the Bible tells us, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. You didn't save yourself. Christ saved you. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, that God saw, saw the agony of his soul, the son, and his wrath was satisfied. The judgment of God was satisfied by what Christ did on the cross. You didn't save yourself. You, can't, uh, you, you, did, you, you didn't do any of those things yourself. God did it. And listen, it's the same with our life. You can try to do things on your own, but guess what? You're not going to be able to fulfill what God has called you to do. You will always come to the end of yourself. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to face trials. You're going to face illnesses. You're going to face financial problems. You're going to face all kinds of things. If you try to do it on your own, you're always going to come to the end of yourself. But you don't need to. What we need to do is encourage ourselves and the Lord remind ourselves that it's God's strength that will, that will help us. It is God's strength that will bring us through those things. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. It's God's strength that will bring us through. He is the source of our strength. Not only do we see the source of God's strength, but I want you to notice the the scope of God's strength. Philippians 4.13 is a verse that we all know. 
Many times it's misused. But that doesn't change the truth of it. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, the context of this, Paul says, I know how to both to be abased, meaning uh, to be in want, to have need. I also know how to be about, to abound, meaning to have much. Uh, he's talking about financially. He, uh, he, in both ways, he knows how to do both because, because he's content in, in what God has done for him. He goes, because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, the principle is this. If there's something that I need to do, that God calls me to do, guess what he's going to do for me? To give me the strength that I need. I look at some of the problems that people are going through and some of the trials, uh, uh, the, the difficulties, losing loved ones, spouses, and, and think, I don't know what I would do if, if, I, if something were to happen to my wife. If something were to happen to one of my kids. I don't know what I would do. But then I get to read the testimonies of how God has enabled and how God has strengthened those who have already gone through those things. If you've ever read the book of martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs, the trials, the persecution that those early church goers went through, man, the things that they had to witness, the things that they had to experience, I don't know how they did it other than the fact that God gave them the strength that they needed. See, all things, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. No matter what I face. No matter what I'm sure. I don't need to be discouraged. I don't need to, to be overwhelmed. I don't need to, to give up. I don't need to faint. I, I need to trust that God will enable me to go through whatever it is that I'm going through. We see the scope of God, of the believer's strength. We also see, I want you to notice, the, the sanctity of the believer's strength. The sanctity. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, the word sanctity means the, the holiness. Now, I am not holy, but the Bible tells me, be ye holy, for I am holy. I am, to, I am to strive to live a holy life. I am to strive to be more and more like our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, just as you are as children of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, there's that word, phrase again, unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. The strength of the believer that brings us through these trials, these temptations, these tribulations, these difficulties in our life, that, that brings us out of, through the discouragement and out of the discouragement, that strength, it, it sanctifies us. James 1 says, to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. For the, for the trying of our faith worketh patience. Do you see that word here in this passage we just read? Unto all patience. That's endurance. God helps us to endure these things. God's strength Helps us to continue on. There have been times I felt like quitting. Not being the pastor, just quitting life. <laughs> there, there have been times when I've faced something that just seemed insurmountable for me, that I could not do it. And in the past, guess what I used to do? I used to quit. There was a, when I was a teenager, I got hired to do a job. It was a job that was way bigger than any teenager should ever have ever try to do, but I was hired to dig a ditch, um, which isn't that big of a deal, but there was a ditch uh, that was supposed to dig a, uh, down to a water line, and then a foot underneath the water line, and then dig out from there, th I think it was 30 or 40 feet to the, to the bank where uh, it, it would come out. They needed to find where the break was, where the leak was, and they couldn't find it. 
So I dug down. I spent all day digging down. I never found the pipe. I called the guy. I said, hey, listen, I think you told me the wrong place. It's not there. Uh, I was probably six and a half feet deep. It was a hole. It was a massive hole. I never dug anything that big. I was tired. I was worn out. And he, he calls me the next, the next day. I found the pipe. You were almost there. I said, almost there? He said, yeah, it's only seven feet down. I found the top of the pipe. Just dig down another foot. And then go, <laughs> didn't dig out to the... No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. I looked at it, and I, it was insurmountable for me. I wasn't going to be able to accomplish what I gave up. I called him up and said, no, you can dig, dig it yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back. I gave up. I know it was wise for me to do that. Number one, it wasn't safe to dig a ditch that way. And that, those types of ditches, I didn't know those things. I just looked at the amount of work and, and, and decided that I didn't want to work that hard. When we look at the tribulations, the trials ahead of us, sometimes we think it's just not worth it. It's not worth going through this stuff. It's not worth doing it. It's too hard for me. There's a phrase I've heard, it, I've heard lots of people say, solid Christians say it, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. What it does say is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. What it does say is that God will strengthen you. But if you're trying to do something in your, on your own strength, if you're trying to, to, to endure something on your own without the strength of God, without, without seeking God, it, listen, there's, there's going to be a problem. You're not going to do it. See, God will, will give you more than you can handle, but he won't give you more than he can handle. He strengthens us to do this to bring about patience in our lives and long-suffering. Now, the uh, patience and, and long-suffering sounds similar, and, and they are similar, but uh, one is endurance with cheerfulness, and the other is forbearance. Sometimes we endure trials. The word forbearance is used many times in the ways, not about the circumstances that we're in, but in how we're treated by other people. Have you ever been treated poorly? We all have. Do you know how we're able to bear that? The power of Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that, that he, uh, Christ, uh, uh, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Despising the shame and the suffering. Listen, uh, he, he went through all that he did because he loved us. We can do all that's set before us because of the strength that he gives us and the work that it does in us, the sanctity of the believer's strength. I want you to notice the steadfasters of the believer's strength. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says this, At my first answer, no man stood with me. This is Paul. He's, he's, he's writing Timothy, uh, telling him of when he stood before uh, the, the court, uh, before the the. the the, the king at the time says, but all men forsook me. Those that were with him left him. He says, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and it will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom will be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was in a position where, where he thought he could rely upon those that were with him, but they all forsook him. He said, even though everybody else forsook him, 
God didn't forsake him. And I stood fast. He strengthened me. There's a steadfastness to our strength. As a believer, we are to stand fast in, in the things of God. No matter what we're going to face, no matter what trials we're going to face, stand fast. Stand firm. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, it's important for us as children of God that we stand fast, that we stand firm in our faith, and that we don't walk away from it, that we don't run away, that we don't quit. It's a steadfast strength. I want you to notice the sufficiency of the believer's strength. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, it says, And he said unto me, this is God speaking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, most gladly, therefore, Paul says, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul says, Paul's speaking specifically in this context of, of a, a, a thorn in the flesh. He, said, he describes it, a messenger of Satan, something that, that's, that's, been, that's been placed upon him. Some say that it's his eyesight. I've heard other, other, other thoughts of what it is. We don't really know what it was, but we do know it was something that he asked God for three times to remove it from him. And God's answer was, no. He says, my grace will be sufficient. My grace will be enough. And listen, it wasn't just about this. Notice Paul said, there he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, physical ailments, in reproaches, to those that accuse him, in necessities, uh, being in want or in need of, uh, of financial or physical things, in persecution as, as, he, as he, for the name, in the name of Christ, is persecuted. He had his head uh, cut off in distresses. Uh, he was shipwrecked several times. He said, I, I, I take, I, 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 thankful. I take pleasure in these things. Why? Because in my weakness, as, as I fail, as I falter, he is made strong. As children of God, listen, we need to make sure that we're standing strong because others saw Paul. You know what they didn't see? Somebody crying in a corner because they were afraid of what was going on. Now, there were times when Paul was afraid. We know this because uh, there, was, there was a period in the book of Acts that we, we read, I believe it's chapter 26 or 27, that he's on a ship. There's a massive storm. It's a, it was a storm that was going to destroy the ship. And it says that, that the Lord revealed himself to him. And the Lord, the first thing the angel said was, fear not. Why do angels tell us to fear, not be afraid? Because we're typically afraid. There were times in his life where he struggled. But I want you to understand, in those times, God strengthened him. When he was in jail in, in, in Jerusalem, in prison, and, and looking, looking ahead to being taken away, uh, to, 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 the, the Lord appeared to him there. Listen, God will strengthen you when you need strengthened. There's a sufficiency. It will always be enough. We won't need any more. Lastly, we see the supply of the believer's strength. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25, God is speaking to the, one of the tribes, who is the tribe of Asher. And he says this, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. It's prophetic for them. Talking about how he was going to work in their life. 
in the, in the life as a, as a tribe or as a people. He said, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. He says, as much strength as you need, I'll give you. You're never going to run out of strength. There's so many people today that are discouraged, that allow themselves to dwell in discouragement. Now, I, I do believe this. I believe that God can use those times of discouragement to strengthen us. There, I, I, I do believe God allows us to come to places like that in our lives so that we learn to lean on him. Because what we find in the next, uh, going back to 1 Samuel chapter 30, what we find, what happens next is the very first thing is David does is he turns to God. You see that in verse number 26. Sorry, chapter 30, verse number 7. David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. David turned to God for the first time in over a year and a half. He said, God, I don't know what to do. I, I, don't, know, I don't know where to go. Uh, should I pursue them? Should I stay? What, what should I do? And God said, pursue them. And I'll give them all back. That battle that David did not go to because the Philistines said, go home, we don't trust you, was the very same battle where Saul lost his life. The very next thing that happens in David's life is he is ushered back to Jerusalem and made to be the king over Israel. Why is this important? God allowed this, these difficulties in David's life to, again, to, 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 to strengthen him and to prepare him for what he was about to do. I don't know what difficulty you're facing, but there is a purpose and there is a reason for it. God will strengthen you for whatever he has left for you. Listen, David, at that moment in verse 6, uh, uh, they want to kill him. They want, uh, he's lost everything. He doesn't know what to do. That was the point when he turned to Christ. It was at that point that Christ turned his life around. Your life isn't over. God's not done with you. His men had turned their back on him. He lost everything, but God wasn't done with him. God's not done with you. You might think, I don't know what I, where I can go from here. I don't know what I can accomplish you can't accomplish anything, but God can. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I, you're not, but God can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. You're not sure what to do or where to go from here. You're, you're not sure how you're going to fix the situation, or you're not sure if you're going to even be able to survive. We get that way. In fact, going back through Scripture, there are a lot of people that suffered with depression, with discouragement. Elijah, right after the battle where he won up on the Mount, Mount Carmel, uh, the very next thing we do, we find him running for his life. Discouragement. Time after time through Scripture, we see people go through times of discouragement. Time after time, we see God use that discouragement, turn them around, strengthen them, and help them. Listen, I'm here, I, I want to tell you this morning, God will strengthen and help you. But the only way he, you can do, he can do that is if you do what David did and put your trust in God. 
Psalms 27, if I had, I, I, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would have fainted. If you don't place your faith and trust in him for your life, you won't make it. You won't endure. I do want to say this. Unless you place your faith and trust in Christ for salvation, you can never place your faith and trust in God for your strength. See, the, 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 our, the source of our strength is God. But that fellowship with God needs to be restored, and that was restored at the cross when Christ died for us. It doesn't matter how good we are. Our world is full of good people according to our standards. But the Bible says... There is none good, but there is none righteous, no, not one. Jesus said to, to the rich man who came to him, he says, why call us not me good? There is none good but God. We are not good in the eyes of God. We're sinful. But God. I love that. I love that word, that phrase, but God. God loved us. God loved the world. God commends his love toward us. Every time you see the, the word, the Every, every time God speaks of his love for us, it's entwined with the cross of Christ. Because that's how he showed us his love. What Christ did for you. Before you can get the strength for life, you have to have eternal life. Jesus said, you must be born again. May God help us. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Promises we have. In, in your word, Lord, that we can trust and rely on. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to each one of us. Lord, you know our needs. You know the situations that we're in. And God, I pray and ask that you would strengthen and encourage and help those that, that need it, Lord. Help us to look to you for that. Lord, there, there, there may be those that are going to face some troubles. And God, I pray that you would burn these truths into our hearts that we remember. Lord, that we learn to rely upon your strength and not, 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 uh, not come to it only when we think that we need it. And God, I pray that if there's one here today that's never trusted in Christ, they've never seen their need of salvation, God, I pray that you would indelibly carve it into their mind and heart how much they need to be saved. Lord, help them to see the truth that one day they're going to stand before a God who will judge them, will not be judged on their intent, or they'll be judged upon their works. And God, I pray that you'd help them see that need, and Lord, help them see the Savior as the answer to that need. I pray, God, that you would open their eyes. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed.